It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Idle platform. He's an experienced business executive as well as an Army veteran. He has spent time with the Army in Iraq and been literally all over the Middle East. Um, I'm excited to have them on here because I think what they're doing at Rift Title is so timely. Um, Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, how we doing, Bert? Doing great, man. There, and uh, you're coming in from Dallas, Fort Worth, right? Yeah, Dallas, Fort Worth. You know, it, uh, Dallas is popping as far as real estate goes. It's it's uh, one of those booming markets. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's going crazy here, uh, driving the prices up, of course, but, uh, Arizona too. Arizona's crazy market. Uh, yeah. Arizona has definitely hit a crazy market. Um, all right. So, uh, let's talk about, um, uh, real quick. Let's talk about Rift title. Uh, the inspiration behind Rift title. What talk about Rift title and how you got started. Okay. Um, actually years ago, I guess about, Gosh, it's been almost 20 years ago now. I uh, I was doing real estate investing, and uh, I you know ended up getting a bachelor's in real estate and master's in real estate, and so that kind of trickled into something that I created a business out of being a commercial real estate broker. So um, the uh, the the thought with Rift and what I saw was that uh, I. I saw a lot of gaps I felt like in the title industry and you know me personally I always I always love technology I love messing with it I love using it to make people's lives better make things easier on people so um, I decided to start rift as, as a way to kind of combine all of those things and uh, it's basically the idea is that I wanted it to be more of a process the, the whole transaction to be more of a process from beginning to end that's uh, more like something you just, you know, it's instead of a contract, you can actually, we have a contract generator that you actually just fill out the needed fields and uh, smart forms is what, what we call them. And it generates a usable contract that uh, goes to everybody's inbox and they can digitally sign right then and there. And then uh, for earnest money checks, uh, it's just it's mobile deposits. Um, we're, when we go into other states, we're looking at doing ACH um, just to make that part easier on people. So you don't got to rush across town to deliver an earnest money check or anything like that. And then um, what's, what you're doing throughout the process is you, where you're giving um, – a status tracker that shows you from be beginning to end what's going on on our end so you know at all times what's what's happening and that's that's really been the biggest complaint for people with title companies is they never really know what's going on so we're we're leaving alleviating that so yeah well you know what it, it makes it makes so much sense because nowadays uh real estate has changed dramatically uh you know i know some real estate agents uh that will give their customers a passcode that you know expires after a certain time the the clients can go look at a house without having a real estate agent necessarily there 
or having to try to schedule that time with the real estate agent. Um, all the documents are digital nowadays. Yeah, sure. Um, I had a friend of mine who just bought a house and he, he saw the house the, the one time, saw his real estate agent one time, everything else was done online. Uh, but for the closing, which, you know, they went to a physical closing and did that there. Uh, other than that, he says everything else was done online. Sure. And I think that, you know, it makes sense for title, you know, for, for all that to, to also be online because every, everything sure. is moving in that direction. Sure. And even our closing process is, uh, is online. Um, it's, uh, we use uh, online notaries. That's our go-to. Um, and uh, so for that works really well for cash transactions. Um, cash transactions, we can, we can uh, on, use an online closing or an e-closing for both the buyer and seller. If there's a loan involved, there's some wet signatures that are still required. Okay. Mm. So um, it, we, we can do what's called a hybrid closing where we get uh, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, signatures. Uh, we, we do get um, digital or use online notaries for, and then just the, there's just a, a few wet signatures we can still get. Um, and that ha just has to do with uh, there's uh, um, basically there's only uh, as of right now, there's only a, uh, a few investors that will really buy the entire package for a uh, for a loan. Once it goes on the secondary market, there's only a few right. investors that will buy that stuff if it, if it is uh, um, if it is uh, used completely as a remote notary. So that's kind of the issue there. Gotcha. Uh, all right. So, um, do you see though, uh, a point in time where everything really is going to be a digital transaction? I mean, I know investors are still a little skittish, but yeah. I think everybody else is basically ready to do the whole thing online. Sure. Is that your feeling as well? Oh, definitely. Um, they're making a lot of moves right now with legislation, especially with everything that's going on right now. I mean, they're really pushing this stuff, um, and everybody's really seeing the value in being able to do this online. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, more and more people you'll see set up more and more lenders. L lenders were were kind of hesitant to do this. Uh, I think there was even a lot, there's even a lot of title companies that were hesitant to do some of this stuff, but you'll see more and more of this stuff. Just people will flock to it because of what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's you know, it's it's like every it, it's like uh, all other types of changes, right? People are always hesitant, right? And it's like yeah. you know, but but you're anybody who's ever done a closing, to me, it's nothing more frustrating than showing up at a closing, right. and like you said, they don't know what's going on. And right. you know, uh, I remember one time we bought a house, and like the. The, the lender involved calls me like at nine o'clock at night. And this is 20 years ago. So it wasn't as accessible as it is today, but he calls me like at eight or nine o'clock at night, everything's closed. And he says, Hey Bert, uh, can you, you know, we need a, we need, we need a copy of the earnest money check, the, you know, the, to verify that it cleared the, your bank. I said, dude, I said, first of all, it's, you know, nine o'clock at night. Second of all, 
you know, I think that if my check hadn't cleared, you would have known about it because I gave that check over 30 days ago. I mean, come on. Sure. And sure. he goes, well, Bert, you know, that's, that's what we need. In order to get this thing closed, we need a copy of that check. And so luckily we were able to get a copy of that check. Yeah. Just, you know, typical stuff. Anybody's done a closing, you get all these little weird conditions, caveats. Yeah. Oh, hey, we can't find this piece of paper that you gave us three times already. Uh, can you bring it one more time? And, and you show up and it's like, have you guys ever done a closing? <laughs> right, right. It, you know, I mean, it's it, the lenders have the lender. You have the title. It's just like, have yep. you guys ever done this? Yep. And and, um, and and I think that the online is definitely going to be easier. You, you're going to be able to track stuff. Yeah, and and, 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 and that's it, Bert. That's it. It's it's uh, from from our end. You know, we're looking at we're we're having all our processes set up. We've got our checklist to make sure that what you just said doesn't happen. Right. So um, that's that's a lot of what this helps with, um, and uh, having our we we've got a whole back end admin area that you know the consumer doesn't see, but we we see it, and it it helps us track all this stuff to make sure we've got our ducks in a row to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to and and getting it in the time we're supposed to get it. So so nothing gets held up or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. All right. Uh, so let's talk about this. Um, you were involved in real estate uh, working for somebody else and then yeah. you decided to go this route. So talk about your entrepreneurial leap. At what point did you say, okay, I'm ready to go solo? Yeah, sure. Um, it was uh, uh, basically I, I decided uh, um, that this was something that I, I was planning for. And I, I and I think that's it with an entrepreneur. I, I think, you know, you got to be fearless in some of this stuff. And but not only that, the the main thing to me is is planning. So with, with everything thing I do, it's it, there's a plan. So I I got, I got a plan together. I wanted to analyze this business model and see if it would work. And uh, I I looked at the market. I looked at what was available. I uh, drew out a business plan for it, and uh, it's. It absolutely works. There's a, there's a demand for it. I mean, people people like the whole idea of doing the things this way. At least that was that was what our uh, uh, our market analysis came back with, and what what I've I've continued to see as we've gone along. So that that was the main thing is really just getting a plan together, uh, having a plan, and then you know really you know what they say is you you know execution is king so you execute on that plan right so just to be clear when you do when you drew up this plan was this plan basically for just yourself and 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 so you knew what's going on or was this a like a a formal plan that you were going to present to investors talk about the plan a little bit yeah sure i mean it's it's mainly for myself and i, I think you know a lot of people don't see the value in something like that but it's absolutely there I mean, create a business plan, if not for investors, for yourself. Um, you know, I, it was it did come in handy later we, when we showed underwriters kind of what we're doing and stuff like that. Um, but uh, it's it's really for me. And, you know, once once you get going and you get into it, um, I, I think there's a lot of value in, in setting up procedures as you go along and, and make sure everything's Everything's organized on the back end. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to. The procedures are absolutely uh, 
are real big, and that's that's part of the whole plan. Once you, once you get going, and it's a continuous thing with just updating and making stuff better and better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm I'm with you. Um, I'm a big believer in a plan. Uh, I think uh, you know what's the old what's the old saying? Uh, let's see. If you is it you plan you follow is it <laughs> you make a plan I, I anyway i'm losing but it has to do with planning right the importance yeah, of planning true. right you yeah, it, it, it have a plan that you plan to fail yeah. and it Something sounds like so it. basic it sounds so easy and, and people think like oh that's you know what why do i need to do that i can just remember it trust me you know have have your procedures together on what you need to do it'll come in handy later i've Absolutely. seen it over and over again with uh uh, I was an executive at a company, a, a heat exchanger company, actually, for a little while. And, uh, man, it, the, the procedures and having a plan for everything, I mean, people would look at me like like I was crazy asking them to do just write down basic things on what needs to happen. Right. And um, it was amazing how many problems just doing that solved. Sure. Not only that, not only does it solve a lot of problems, it also helps bring in clarity. I think that, you know, as you write out your plan and, and, and you know, you might massage that plan a little bit, you might, you know, but, but overall, it's a great guiding source. Number one, uh, it, it helps with that, that, that clarity, as I was talking about. And then back to your, you know, having, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, a set of procedures, policies and procedures. Sure. Man, talk about expediting your time or leveraging your time in your training because there's nothing better than bringing somebody on board right. and saying, hey, you know, watch these three or four videos. Here's a manual. Here's the stuff, you know, and, and you can train from that, from those policies and procedures. It doesn't have to be a, you know, some extensive, you know, whatever 1800 page document it's hey this is basically it this is what you do yeah uh, but it helps everybody it, it helps build confidence that much quicker a absolutely and the biggest thing is costly mistakes you know if yes. you just if if you get people in there and you don't have policies and procedures in place that are a part of your plan then you're going to end up making those same mistakes over and over again and you know you can tell somebody all day long, but until you have it in writing, you can give it to them. It's something they can reference back to. Right, uh, they're going to continue to happen over and over again. Absolutely. Well, you know what? In, in one of the best-selling books out there, uh, the E Myth, ah, yeah, by Michael Gerber, sure. that book to me completely changed my business, my life, my everything, and. Uh, because it was a straightforward, real simple to understand why so many businesses fail, why the average entrepreneur fails. And it had to do a lot with planning, having policies and procedures and, and basic having a recipe for everything that business does. Sure. And, you know, it's just it is such a. Um, Oh my goodness! It's it, it, it's it's such a time saver. It, it's so it's such a wonderful tool. Um, and, and what's so funny too when I when I go consult with companies, first thing I ask them is, "Let me see your your policies and procedures. You know, what do you guys train with?" And you'd be surprised. I mean, I've, I've worked with companies that had 50, 60, even 100 employees that had 
nothing. Yeah. And it's like, how did you get so big? How did you get to this point where you have 50 employees and you, and you barely have anything written down? You know, it's just, yeah. it just cracks me up. It cracks me up. Yeah. And it's costing them money not having it because they, it that'll, that'll pay for itself over and over again. All right. So let's talk about, you mentioned something uh, about being fearless. So um, talk about this because I think this is, you know, this is probably the biggest thing that holds all of us up and that is fear. Uh, you know, your Mickey Mouse or Mickey Mantle, we all have to deal with fear. And and so here you are, you're you're going to leave your job and you're going to start your own business. Uh, were you married at this time? Was you talk about, you know, making that leap? Well, I'm, I'm married with a with a kid and uh, it's a uh, it's really tough to do. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you, you see the vision, um, you see what it can do, um, you know, the everything, all the pieces fit, all the pieces work. You know, if, you, if you're going to do it, just go out and do it. And uh, that, I think, you know, really every, everything, everything kind of fit together just like that. And I, I could I could see it. This is something that that I wanted for, for myself as far as a product. That I would use, yeah. Just just get out there, go do it, uh, make it happen, uh, and work your tail off, you know. And uh, make make sure you did it and you did it right. Yeah. So was your wife on board? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's important. Sometimes you know what uh, I. Sometimes it's it's important to have. I mean, it, it, let me rephrase it. It's always important to have the spouse on on board. That to me is makes life that much easier because everybody's taking everybody's on, 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 what do you call it, on the same page as far as the risk involved, right? The risk yeah. and reward. Sure. Now, of course, not all of us are fortunate enough to have our spouses involved. I mean, it's just, right. That's, you no, know. I'm, I'm a lucky man for sure. Really, <laughs> uh, she's, she's a wonderful woman and she's been a hundred percent supportive. And, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's, she's a part of the company as well. So, um, you know, and it's it's been it's been great uh, working with her and kind of uh, uh, kind of seeing this whole thing blossom into what it is today. So sure, yeah. See again, that's that's even better when when your spouse is part of the company. I think that's awesome. Um, hey, so let's switch gears a little bit. I want to come back to this, but I also want to talk a little bit about your experience in the army. Again, thank you so much for serving our country. Yeah. And uh, you toured Iraq. Talk about Iraq. What was your biggest takeaway from Iraq? Uh, biggest takeaway from Iraq, um, it was, uh, basically, uh, I, it, it was crazy to me, uh, seeing just the scale of what was going on in there and how quickly of the time the U S government did that and, and made it happen. And it was, it was all the little things that were involved to make it happen. And, you know, as, as somebody, I was, I was need for, I was a specialist over there and, uh, you know, I, I didn't understand a lot of it of why I had to do this or do that or why they were requiring this. Um, you know, by the time I was leaving, I, I understood that, you know, these these little things that they wanted us to do. I mean, that's the really the only way to do it if you're going to uh, create something that large on that larger scale and, and do it and make sure that certain things happen. So uh, that was that was probably my biggest takeaway from that is really understanding that and how to how to do something that massive 
that quickly. Make sure it's, I guess, halfway done, right? But, um, you know, what, what we did over there was we were, uh, uh, I, was, I was originally, our, my MOS and uh, my unit's MOS was artillery. We got tasked to run a, a prison. So it was a, a high-value detainee prison. So it, it's it's kind of crazy because I knew I knew all of Saddam's brothers, cousins. Um, I knew the Prime Minister Tarek Aziz. Wow. I knew um, uh, Kimiko Ali. I actually played chess with Kimiko Ali. Wow. You know it was it was it was crazy. So um, and talk to these guys on a daily basis. They they knew me. You know and you're, you know, you got your last name written on your on your uniform. So they just they called me Mund. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? Uh, yeah. The, the, the military um, is an incredible machine. Sometimes it looks slow because it is at times slow. But when you're sure. moving hundreds of thousands of troops and you know what? It's it, it is a um, unfortunately, it's a game of hurry up and wait. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know what? And and you don't see you don't see what the top guys are looking at when they change things or they cancel or whatever you know you just you know you just gotta go with it um i say that i haven't served myself my daughter as as you and i were talking uh before the show uh she uh has joined the national guard and and she's uh so far enjoyed it um and but uh you know it's just an incredible thing and you know that they have speaking of systems right they have a lot of systems in place they they, they don't there's not a lot of um uh what do you call it uh shoot by the hip kind of a thing it's all laid out for a specific reason yep and uh you know like like you're saying it's you know so, so you don't you as somebody that's you know an e4 uh you see you you kind of question you start to question the leadership and somebody that you know, afterwards is was a leader. Um, you, you say, "Wow, you know, I, I understand why they were doing that. I understand their frustrations. I, I understand the decisions a lot more, you know, looking at it from this perspective than I did back then, looking at it from that perspective." And uh, just being able to do that and what they did, you know, I'm I'm, I'm more appreciative of it, appreciative of it now than I was back then for sure. Sure, sure, yeah, you know. Um there's a uh, a gentleman that I that I met who had spent uh, approximately I believe it was 10, 10 years I think it was uh, the Marines anyway and his biggest takeaway was how much success is dependent on discipline yeah. and that you don't appreciate the amount of discipline that's built into the military until you walk away from it. And then you start dealing with people who have, you know, almost no discipline compared to what you're used to. Yeah. yeah. And he says, it's just weird. It's, it's weird. And uh, I understand that, uh, that perspective completely. It's it, as soon as you get away from that lifestyle, everything changes. You, you see the civilian lifestyle is so much different. And, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, for, for the psyche of, uh, 
the veteran too. It's 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 much much different, and I think that's what people have a hard time understanding that have that have just been civilians, is that you know as as somebody in the military, I mean you every, everything is is uh, kind of kind of handled for you from from your you know your bills, your food, everything like that. You're just focused on on what you're doing and your job, and that's that's it. And what that does. And and the discipline that goes along with that, and as as a whole, and then you get out into the civilian world, you know you've you've got all these these other responsibilities. You, you you're not not able to focus so much on stuff, and then you you see other people that aren't as disciplined doing their, you know, you know their their everyday operations, and it's just, I it it's very odd, and it's it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, all right. So uh, back to the entrepreneurial uh, discussion that we were having. Rifttitle.com is the website. If you guys want to visit uh, Jared and his team, uh, Rifttitle.com. Uh, the name Rift, where did you come up with the name Rift? Uh, well, I I wanted to do something. I, I liked it because it was kind of edgy, to be honest with you. But really, the thing was, the idea was that it was uh, a rift in the industry, you know, something that was going to you know, really be groundbreaking and uh, really come in and, and do some damage and, and, you know, you know, tear things up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. that Rift is definitely better than disruptive, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> the sure. title wouldn't have, wouldn't have been as sexy. Rift title, uh, it's it's memorable, but yet when, you know, I like the, uh, we call it the, the message behind the name too, because it was going to create a rift in the industry. So I love that. I, I always, one of my favorite things is to find out why people, you know, name, you know, use the name that they do. Right. Um, and uh, so I think that's great background. All right. Let me ask you this, Jared. If you're talking to a class of, you know, would be entrepreneurs, people who maybe uh, are, are getting ready to pull the trigger. Maybe they've been they've been entrepreneurs for a year or two. What advice would you give them? Um. The, the the main thing is is that uh, the the absolute main thing is that there there is going to be some issues you're going to have to work through you're going to have to put in eighty to one hundred and twenty hours a week <laughs> I mean, it's just especially getting going um, for 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 a while and that's just kind of how it is to uh, this is this is your business and uh, uh, in order to have it succeed that's just what you got to do but. The benefits on the other side of that are tremendous. So stick with it. I like that. You know, um, one of the things that uh, a lot of people gloss over is the work, the hard work or work hard mentality that it takes to, to drive a business. And you look at somebody like Elon Musk, here's a guy who, in my opinion, has been successful enough that if he wanted to not work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, he certainly could could get away with that. He he on the other hand disagrees. He he is an he's a workaholic. That guy is still putting in, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, because he's not done what he wants to do with Tesla and some of his other projects. 
And uh, you look at some of these other individuals, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not, uh, they're not necessarily slowing down. They're, they're working harder. Um, there is a, uh, what do you call it? There is a certain level of satisfaction when you do your best. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe you don't get the result you want, but you feel good because you did your best. I mean, you left yeah. it all out on the field, right? The old cliche, you left it all out there and, Absolutely. And this is this is a grind. You know, I mean, it's, you know, bef- most companies before they even break even, it's it's about six months, I think, if, you know, if they're lucky. Yeah. No, I think uh, the average for a company to break even is like five years. Five years. Wow. There you go. So and 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 that's if you make it that long, because, as you know, yeah, most um, businesses go out of business. Yeah. 80 yeah. percent of all businesses go out of business within like the first couple of years. Right. And, yeah, and sure. I, I've kind of come up with my conclusion is that sooner or later, all businesses do go out of business. It, it might take 100 years, you know, but you look at somebody like Blockbuster Video you know, four or 5,000 stores, they dominated the world in that market and they're gone. Yeah. Now, they were still a successful company. They lasted yeah. 30, 40 years, whatever it was, 20, 30 years. Uh, you know, they did, they were a successful company. Sure. Yeah, I think, and if, if you're not flexible, I mean, you could end up like Wells Fargo though. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, they were flexible and they saw what was coming and they adjusted and they, they turned into a bank. Yeah. So a massive bank at that. Uh, uh, the, yeah. One of the one of the big biggies. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, uh, um, you know, not only do you have to work hard, but and I like the idea of, of that uh, we threw out there, that flexibility. It's so important because that is what killed. Blockbuster, Uh, you know, uh, Netflix approached Blockbuster two times about doing a joint venture together. And Blockbuster, uh, from what the CEO said, is that we laughed at them both times. I heard that story. Yeah. And and from the time, from the first time they said no until the time they filed bankruptcy and disappeared was 10 years. And, you know, that that may sound like a like a, a long time, but in business, that's pretty quick. Yeah, sure. Especially when you were the leader in that market. Yeah, sure. You know, and so I think that flexibility is important. And I think that um, to add to that flexibility, I think you have to stay humble, which is hard to do. Right. When you're the top dog, right, when you're like the biggest guy out there and, you know, and. Rift Title now has three, four, five thousand employees, and you're flying around in your Gulfstream jet. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> oh yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, um, it's the same thing with the the title industry. It's uh, you know, if, and I, I think they see that, and I've I've heard that uh, I've heard a similar story or the the same story actually. Uh, from people in this industry that, hey, if, if we don't we don't want to be blockbuster, you know, it's it's definitely a tale of caution. So absolutely. I, it, to me, it's a great tale of caution. We don't want to be like another blockbuster. You know, one yeah. of my uh, favorite movies, um, it's uh, 
World 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 War Z with Brad Pitt. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's a it's a zombie apocalypse type movie, right? And and in that movie, uh, the world is is dealing with this virus, and all these people are turning into zombies. And the only city in the world that is not having a problem is Israel or Jerusalem because they built these massive walls. And so he's interviewing, he's interviewing the government official and, and uh, because everybody got the same email, but Israel was the only one who reacted and built these massive walls. And uh, he asked him, you know, what made you build these walls when nobody else was taking this information seriously? And, and he talks about his, the, the, what they call the 10th man theory, which is um, they, they would pick one guy and they called him the 10th man. And he would do the opposite of what everybody else was saying to do. He says, because in our history, nobody thought Hitler would do what Hitler did. And nobody thought that, you know, this was going to happen. And that was going to he, he, he rambled off three or four things that nobody thought would ever happen, you know, and you can equate that to like the, the Twin Towers. Nobody thought the Twin Towers yeah. was going to be taken down yeah, the way they were taken down and, and all the other stuff. And so they, they their government said, OK, you know, the 10th man, it's his responsibility to, you know, we're going to give him the the uh, opportunity to do the opposite. So when nobody else was saying, hey, this virus is not gonna, that big of a threat. Zombies is never going to happen. He took action and they built these massive walls and uh, kept uh, Jerusalem safe uh, for at least a short, you know, for an extended period of time. Um, but that but that flexibility thing is imperative. And this is where a lot of these small companies come in and they crush the leader again uh, in, in that blockbuster scenario because the big the big gorilla isn't paying attention to these little tiny ankle biters until it's too late sure and i mean a lot of this stuff i mean it's it it takes time more than anything yes and so they're already behind on the on the time curve you know and there's no catching up so it's it's when they when they actually see it they understand the issue it's already too late it's it's done so and that's what happened in their case yeah absolutely no you're right because Interestingly enough, I think after I think year five or six after that first meeting with uh, Netflix, yeah. uh, they were getting they were getting their ankles bitten not only by Netflix but by Redbox. Right. Yeah. So they started putting out blue boxes, and uh, and and they came out with their own version of Netflix called Blockbuster Home or whatever. And uh, but like you said, it was too late, and um, the the CEO uh, ended up getting ousted. Uh, because uh, the vice president talked the the uh, board in, into believing that they weren't that they were too big to fail, and that the CEO was taking them down the wrong path, and they were spending you know like three or four hundred million dollars. And he says this is ridiculous, and that's kind of what expedited their downfall is that they got rid of the CEO, changed course. Mm-hmm. Anyway, history is a great teacher. Uh, Jared, what do you see next? What's what? What's the five-year plan for Rift Title? Um, well, uh, we want to be a, a nationwide company. So 
the way title works is you get licensed in a state. So we're starting off in Texas. Okay, that's that's our area. We can do uh, anything in Texas as as of right now. Uh, we have plants all over the place. Um, we are looking to expand once once we get everything set up here. Everything is working the way we need it to. Uh, we're going to expand into some other states. Uh, you know, just just so you know, Bert, uh, Arizona is probably the the top one as far as expanding to. So nice, yeah. I think Arizona would be happening for you. You know, the great thing about Texas is it's uh, Texas is like it's like three or four states to you oh, know yeah. size wise. So if you can make it in Texas, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. The market's incredible here. It's it's so big, and that's it's such an advantage for a company like ours starting off. I mean, there's uh, it's there's there's a lot of other states to go to, but but this was by far the best one to start in. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, Jared, we're out of time. I want to say thank you so much for stopping by. It's uh, been a pleasure and looking forward to having you back again and, and get caught up on what's happening with uh, Rift Title. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Bert. You take care, bud. All right, man. Everybody, thank you so much for stopping by. We'll talk to everybody later. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.